Well, I for one have never had any issues with my internet service provider. In fact, they're getting a Christmas card. This is the Not Sarcastic at All Push-Off. everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Push Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week and gets you ready for the next. I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us as always, it's Dan, fuck Comcast in general, right? That's right, Dan. Um, we're coming to you a day late and uh, two wins short uh, this week because uh, I had a whole internet outage for five hours yesterday. Um it uh, it ended my work day early, which is nice, but it it kept us from recording at our usual time. So you're getting this the day of football Thursday. Dance Cowboys are in NOLA. They're playing the Saints. So why not listen to some football, you know, push-off podcast before that kickoff happens? Yeah, just get ready. I mean, you know, the Cowboys clearly aren't ready for the game because they haven't been for the past month. But, you know, maybe you oh. could get ready. That'd be nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's and it wasn't a fun weekend for either of us, even though Thanksgiving. I mean, we you had the family stuff, and I'm sure there were little cherished moments there. But as far as on the field, nope, I don't remember. Fun. Nope, nothing, nothing was good. <laughs> Bla- it's all blanked out. Yep, um, nothing good on the field for sure. Uh, and we wanna uh, still relive that just a full week later. So <laughs> hooray! Yeah, we're gonna push through, and uh, and enjoy it with all of you. Dan, I don't have much news before we hit all these games. Um, did you see RG3's release in a book? I did not. <laughs> Robert Griffin's released in a book. He's going to call it Surviving Washington. Uh, so it's a tell-all, and there's more news coming out of there. Good. Uh, God, when are it's they It's all gonna, been good lately. When are they going to fucking f- like get rid of Dan Snyder? I don't understand this. Like, How much shit does the league have to eat for that guy before somebody goes like, oh, yeah, Get the fuck rid of him. They got rid of Jerry Richardson for being like a pretty mildly racist old man. Like, right. which is like everybody kind of knew that. Like, Jerry Jones is like, oh shit, they're home to me. And then it's like, no, 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 you don't do anything outwardly, so you're okay. But when the fuck do you get rid of a guy who was like tantamount to kidnapping cheerleaders? Like, he's a it's... 80s villain. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't like him. Nobody seems to like him, but he's got a lot of money, so he's no untouchable. <laughs> Um, Seahawks are signing Adrian Peterson to the practice squad. That just happened. Uh, he's not quitting. He's he'll be back here, and and we'll see if the uh the Seahawks, who just need some type of offense, get him on the field. Yeah, I mean it's. I'm amazed by the fact that Adrian Peterson. Like, if you, I think we were talking about this earlier today. Is I sent you the list of like who the top ten all time rushers are. And Frank Gore has a lot of teams, but Adrian Peterson is on team number seven with the Seahawks. Yeah. As soon as he takes the field for the Seahawks, he's on team number seven. That's a fucking and Most lock. of those are, what, the last three years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, since so, since he's yeah. been 32. Yeah, since he was 32, he's he's gone through six teams. Okay, four years, yeah. So, yeah, this is... Uh, 
it's at the end of the road. It certainly is. He'll he maybe signs a year uh, or a day thing with the Vikings and then retires with them at some point uh, next season. <laughs> maybe you know it's he wants to I think get some maybe. of those records, but yeah, who sees? Who knows? Um, and then this is the time of year for uh, college college football uh, head coaching is kind of opening up and and a lot of seats yeah. are getting free. And there's a lot of money to uh, head to these some of these programs down there. Do you see any of that uh, crossing over here with the NFL? I mean, it has to. You know, there was uh, last year Kellen Moore was getting looked at for the Boise State job um, as the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, you're going to see more offensive and defensive coordinators take head coaching positions than you are head coaches going back. Like, the NFL is the premier play. It's the where it's where you want to be. If you're a head coach, you want to be in the NFL, unless you're Nick Saban, in which case you want to be the winningest <laughs> college football coach of all time. That's an option for you. But most people look to the NFL as like the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, now maybe that doesn't fit your personality. For a guy like Urban Meyer, it doesn't seem like the NFL fits his personality. But you know he's had such a reputation of being a cut and run sort of guy that if he cuts and runs from the Jaguars after this year, unless they literally say, hey, get the fuck out of here, um, I, I don't see him leaving. Um, however, if he left, he would immediately be signed by some team that would take on all the Urban Meyer baggage. Right. Well, there and there is a lot of college you know, success stories that did not translate to pros. Like you said, uh, Nick Saban and with Miami, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Steve Spurrier in Washington, I remember that. Uh, Kelly in Philly and San Francisco, like that was even more recent. Um, one that is somewhat working this year, Cliff Kingsbury, but that's a rumored yeah. thing too of like, would he be willing to like go for some big monies in one of these big schools? Yeah, it would be the worst any... possible opportunity. Right, chance for that, right? Yeah, to me, the best the best college coach to pro coach has been Pete Carroll. Um, you know, right. doing what he did at USC, doing what he did in in Seattle, like clearly the guy's a fucking top notch coach. But if you run down the gamut, yeah, it's really rare for a college coach to make a like Greg Schiano's another you know horrible example. Um, to coach in college generally mm, is a very right. different temperament than coaching in the NFL. It's the NFL you're dealing with adult men. Um, Pete Carroll was very lucky in that when he was coaching at USC, he was already coaching very highly paid athletes. Um, so that's a little different. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hey, Oh, uh, all right. Well, that's, that's all I have for the news here. Um, we, uh, are still getting all our hard knocks through the season of the Indianapolis Colts. We got to watch last week's, uh, Buffalo bills win. That was a big one for them. Uh, and this week's one will be airing here this evening. So we'll try to get to it, uh, when we get a chance here this week. Let's uh, move into the week of uh, Thanksgiving football. Um, the one plus side is we got a good opportunity to watch, what, like five, six games full yeah. this weekend? Yeah, um, I mean... None of them uh, that we watched straight closely ourselves were, were good ones, but... <laughs> well, seven. We got to watch seven live games. Because yeah. you got three on if Thanksgiving. We had, if you had the... The, yeah, if the you got a, chutzpah to do such. If you've got a problem, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch the Bills Saints game on Thanksgiving live because I was like, I'm fucking toast. Like I, right, I, I was then. just emotionally footballed out. Uh, had the Cowboys won, I would have paid attention for that entire drubbing 
but I just wasn't in wasn't in the mood. So uh, yeah, there was a few of those. There was some bad teams that played bad teams. Uh, this was also to a week where me and Dan picked a maybe a record high for this podcast: yeah. eight games different. Yeah. So how did that all pan out? We're going to delve deep in now and see uh, once all the dust settled, de- excuse me, dust settled, who came out on top here of this wild, wild week. Um, so the first game of the week was uh, the game of the week that I picked, Dan, and I, I warned you about this is going to be Raiders-Cowboys. It was the only one that went to overtime. It was a long time ago now, a full week basically uh, ago. So try to rack our brains and get back to what happened in this one, but... 36-33 Raiders won it in overtime. None of us picked it. This wasn't one we picked up opposite either. We figured the Cowboys were going to get this one at home, but it, these crazy Raiders, sometimes they show up, sometimes they didn't. They did this week. Um, Carr threw for 373 in a touchdown, and it was basically to Renfro. They they put Mariota in a couple of trick plays, and Carlson hit five field goals. Uh, Prescott, though, threw 375 and two touchdowns. The offense was there for both teams. Dan, I'm sure you watched this game much closer than me through turkey and some pie. What what did you see? So um, what I saw was three teams on the field. I saw three active teams participating in this game. There was the Cowboys, there was the Mm -hmm. Raiders, and there was the fucking refs. And I will say this. I thought the Cowboys got the short end of the stick, on some of the penalties. However, there were way too many penalties in this game. The, the Raiders were getting called for shit they never should have been called for. The Cowboys were getting called for shit they absolutely shouldn't have been called for. This was maybe mm-hmm. the worst officiated game I've seen all year because you've got to get to a point where the game isn't stopped every three or four plays by a penalty. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense. It It's not good for the flow of the game. It's not good for... Uh, it's not good for the competitive balance on the TV. It's not good for watching the game. Like you don't want, you don't want to watch a game like this. It's fucking aggravating. The Cowboys were penalized fourteen times for a yeah. hundred and sixty-six yards. For a hundred and sixty-six yards, and a hundred and sixteen of those penalties were on defense. So it's almost as though the Raiders had an excellent wide receiver that came out of nowhere and had a great fucking game. <laughs> That's what seven penalties on the defense means. It means you've got a fucking great receiver out of nowhere causing havoc. That's basically what happened to us. Now, Anthony Brown's penalty at the end of the game was bad. It was close to face guarding, but he also wasn't running into the guy. The guy pulled him into him and wasn't trying to make a play on the ball. Anthony Brown, at the meantime, has to turn his fucking head around. He knows yeah. he's been getting penalized all game. But Having man, this twice, was a real that shit same game. like route. Yeah. Yeah, that was and you don't want I every time I see that, unless it's, you know, my team in purple, uh, a game that's like, well, this team needs to just get down the field and field goal range and that's they'll win it. Get decided by a PI call like that is just you roll your eyes, you're like, well, that's not sporting. Like, let's go. Now that being said, if it's PI, you gotta call it's PI. But you're right, there was a lot of uh it kind of felt like, you know, hand on scale, like somebody's you're getting way here and there's a little hand on the scale kind of deciding it one way or another yep. a little bit. I, I could feel that. And, and uh, I could feel that in other games this week, too, honestly. Um, it's a weird feeling to, to feel no, that. In you, yeah. You always reference it with yeah. go ahead. 
I mean, there were there were some moments in this game in particular. This very much felt like the refs were going to decide the game in the third quarter. It it felt like whatever the Cowboys were doing, because they were coming back, and they were coming back of their own volition, the offense seemed to wake up. The offense wasn't doing anything in the first half, and then finally got it together, started to get in rhythm. Um, they didn't call a lot of penalties on the Cowboys' offense. It was the Cowboys' defense that, even though they were getting pressure, they were putting Carr under duress, they kept getting break after break after break. And, th- and these were bad throws by Derek Carr that were basically, like, penalty catnip. You know, they, they weren't good throws. They weren't throws to actually move the ball forward. They were throws to get a penalty. And Scott, that's yeah, the Scott sort of shit. Under it. Yeah. yeah, it's that sort of shit that bothers me because at that point, it's fucking, it's a charge in basketball. You know, and most of the time, the refs are pretty good about that, where they're like, hey, man, that wasn't really a fucking, that wasn't a playable ball. You know, th- that was just kind of thrown up into the area. That's not a catchable thing. But, yeah, this was a fucking brutal game to watch. It did not flow well. 28 penalties total. That's absurd. Uh, (laughs) It's too many penalties to be called in a single game ever. Um, These refs had their hand on the scale. I don't, you know, this is the first year I can remember where the NFL has felt a little fixed. Mm. Does that make sense? And like, well, it all weekend. Outlaw, I mean, out loud uh, betting on this stuff is much more prevalent and, and not that it wasn't in other sports and it wasn't out loud before too, but it does feel a little weird when these, uh, when you feel like the games are getting decided by the people not on the field and, or at least when the, the calls seem to go one specific way against a team throughout the game instead of it being pretty even or yeah. So I don't know. I wish I had something to back that up. You know, there's some proof or something. It just kind of, you're right right now. It feels like a feeling. It feels like a feeling. And maybe it's because both of us kind of went through it this week. Cause I felt like there was some plays in my game the same way, especially late, you know, and it's not always calls going the wrong way like yours or, or over calls. Sometimes it's like, I can't believe that thing isn't called, you know, things like yeah. that. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, this game was actually one of the most watched ever. Uh, ratings were through the roof for this one. Thanksgiving, I mean, you put on football. That's what you do. But also, if you think of the other games that were on, not that exciting. And this is Dallas that always has eyes. And now a team out of Las Vegas that I think is building a fan base there as well as whatever they left in California. So... The NFL knew what they were doing, putting this one on when they did Vegas and Dallas. Like this was a plan, and it worked <laughs> out for them. So Dallas got their eyes in the, you know, in their uh, TV boxes for this one. I, I'm actually so. Here's the thing: if I'm completely disconnecting myself from being a Cowboys fan, I'm happy for the Raiders. I thought they actually played a pretty good game. I thought they had a great game plan. They were consistent the whole way through. They were attacking the Dallas defense the way it needs to be attacked. Um, I hope Deshaun Jackson dies in a fire. There's almost no (laughs) player in the NFL that I hate on a personal level more than Deshaun fucking Jackson. Jesus, I hate that fucking guy. I really hope he gets hit by a car. He's the fucking worst. Are they back? Yeah, he scored a touchdown. I know Deshaun Jackson. So the Raiders are back in the swing of things. I mean, you can't look at this team and look at Derek Carr and think, he can't make anything happen. Derek Carr has fucking had this team on his back 
this entire game. Like, there wasn't much of a rushing attack to be spoken about. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs was productive, but he wasn't, like, tearing it up. It was Derek Carr making big play after big play. Um, yeah, I would say they're back. They're back in contention, but the whole AFC West is really, really good this year. Yeah. Except for they these suddenly their... slipping Chargers. True. Yeah, Chargers are in free fall. Um, they lost their tight end, uh, Darren Waller, the the all-stud, um, for a few weeks here too. So that's going to hurt because that's yeah. almost 50% of their offense. So we'll see what they do with that. Let's move on. Plenty more games to talk about, and there's no reason to dwell in the doldrums, Dan. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Monday night game. Um, Washington, sorry, Dan, beating Seattle 17-15. Uh, to 15. I yeah. thought we weren't going to dwell in the doldrums. <laughs> no, no, we're heading to FedEx Field, where doldrums oh, come to live. Uh, <laughs> Washington wins this one, uh, which you, which this one I got on you. Uh, myself mm-hmm. picked it. My mom picked it, too. Um, this was a – you know, it's it's near the top of this show, and it's a tight score game, but I'd be lying to you if I'd said it was a good game. Um, there was, it was nine all at the half in the craziest way possible. We didn't talk just like a field goal (laughs) battle. No, Washington had the lead was kicking in a extra point right before the half that gets blocked and returned for a touchdown. So all of a sudden a seven to three game that was going to be right. Am I right? No, seven to, yeah, seven to three game that they were going to make 10 to seven. All of a sudden it was nine all. So that was, goes into half. Uh, McKissick gets a second touchdown, two-point conversion. They're up 17-9. They have a stronghold of this game. Washington does. And um, then McKissick gets carted off this field in a bad injury. Uh, Russell Wilson does a little bit of magic to get down there, get a touchdown. Nice uh, 32-yard pass to Swain, uh, stepping up in the pocket. But the two-point conversion is picked off by uh kendall fuller and this game's over washington wins yeah this game sucked uh <laughs> it was a real <laughs> shit game man it just wasn't fucking fun uh seattle the ran most... the ball 12 times <laughs> yeah <laughs> 12 times seattle ran the ball it was bad i mean the most fun part of this was the Rasheem green uh extra point return that yeah. was the most fucking fun. I mean, that was great. It was a it was a block kick that turned into an act, an absolute two point conversion uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. It was hilarious, um, and it's that sort of thing. That I'm like, oh yeah, that's that makes the game exciting. But when that's your most competent play all game, like Taylor Heineke was shitty. He was tanking dink and dunks all game. Russell Wilson does not look back. He does not look like the Russell Wilson of old. Um, and, yeah, to your point, with zero rushing attack, how are you going to keep a team honest defensively? Especially yeah, a team no. like Washington with the line that they have. Even without even without a couple really good starters, any defensive line when you tell them, hey, don't worry, we're never running the ball, they, they're going to put pressure on your quarterback. Seattle had no offense in this. There was one touchdown drive early, and then the last one was the backyard let Russ cook kind of thing where everyone's running free. DK had his first catch on that drive. It was nuts. Um, and then, you know, for all sake here, Washington was trying to put it away before that drive uh, that Seattle had and the drop pass in the end zone that gets trapped. First of all, it's a touchdown and everyone's celebrating the game's over and then it's nope trapped. And then they almost give it up. And then even when they don't give up two point conversion, they almost give an onside kick up 
due to uh, lining up wrong. I mean, it was like, oh my God, this game needs to end kind of feeling like you're drunk game, go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what this Get one felt like. Get out of here, football, you're drunk. Um, yeah, it, it well, wasn't the good. Foot, the football team is going to lose their kicker, Joey Sly, for three weeks. He's got a hamstring injury, so they need to pick up somebody else. We'll see what they do there. Um, this leads us to talk about Washington playing in Vegas. It's Washington at the Raiders here for, what are we on, week 13 now. I mean, you bet your bippy I'm not I'm not picking the team that just beat me to get beaten by the goddamn Washington football team. No, this is Raiders <laughs> all the way, baby. And I'm I'm rooting Raiders super hard. Yeah, Raiders need it, but uh, Washington does too. These are two bubble teams for their playoff uh, destinies. Um, and so this one, though not as big because it's out of conference, is still going to be big for them because they're so close to, to that level. So uh, they need the wins, but I kind of like Raiders at home. Washington, uh, this would be their fourth win in a row if they beat the Raiders. They've won three now in a row. So they're on a nice hot streak. The Raiders are just turning off of this cold streak that they were on. So it's in a weird situation here. But, yeah, could Washington keep it going on the road, the whole other side of the country? It's a tall order for Heineke and the gang. So I'm with you. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Carr. I'm going to go with the Raiders, even no Darren Waller. Yeah, it's interesting that if the season ended today, Washington would be the number seven seed in the NFC. I don't want to talk about it. I know. Well, Sorry, buddy. No, we can, we can because it's a good segue. It, the reason why is because uh, here in Santa Clara, the 49ers beat the Vikings 34-26. Dan, you saw it coming. You warned me. Um, I, I watched the whole thing. Kirk Cousins had probably his worst game of his uh, um, season here. This, this season, probably his worst one. Um, he's got to know where center is. And not line up under the guard, uh, and that you know. Afterwards, too, and my brother's like, it must have been like a trick play, and I was like, I think we're giving him too much credit. It's because I don't know. So um, this game was tight, as all Vikings games are. Thielen had two touchdowns in the first half. It was fourteen all at the half because the Vikings are the worst team in maybe history of giving up points right before the half. But uh, not only that, so it was 14-7 Vikings, and I'm feeling all right right before they they do that little collapse before halftime. But then uh, the Niners get the ball to start the second half, score on a nice long drive there, so they double dip. And then uh, immediately Kirk throws an interception that takes him to the goal line. So it was all of a sudden 28-14, to like a blink into that third quarter. To the Vikings' credit, they climbed all the way back. Uh, I told you Kenny Nuangu something special. He gets yeah. that kickoff return. Uh, it's 20 to 28 because they can't kick an extra point. Um, so they're trying to fight back in this, but they couldn't do it fully. Uh, the Niners push away. It's a very offensive game, both sides of the ball, because Debo Samuel just runs faster than everybody for the Niners, and the Vikings had an entirely backup defensive line that could not tackle to save their lives. Yeah, well, I mean, you also got to remember Dalvin Cook got injured here in the third quarter, um, you know, on a fumble. When you guys had scored the touchdown uh, with Nwangu, looked good, yeah. you forced the Niners to punt, and then one play later, Dalvin Cook fumbles the thing, leads to a field goal. 
you know, yeah, and it's, you got bent your over defense. There. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were good in this. They were good in the second half. Your defense actually like kind of buttoned up in the second half after, you know, they're like, Oh fuck, we got to make halftime adjustments. And then third and fourth quarter, you had a solid defensive play. The Niners just did what the Niners have been doing recently and, and bled you out. I mean, they basically ate up half the fourth quarter with one drive. You know, something yeah. like that is is going to kill a team, especially a team with, you know, issues stopping the run. And that stinks too because heading into this game, you, you saw what the Niners had kind of done to turn it on lately and it was like, hey, Debo Samuel. And then there was like, well, people figured out that to not let him catch the ball, and so they just gave it to him in the backfield. <laughs> he doesn't run it any other way but outside. Like, it's just sweeps. That's the only thing it is. So you got to be ready for that. Now, to given, there were times where it's just, yeah, the backup linebacker or uh, end is out there, and he just, you know, his his arms are butter on him and just fell off him because he's also very, you know, he's twitchy. He's good. He's a yeah. very good player. But if you can wrap him up, it's over. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it all game long, so that was infuriating. You wa- We watched uh, not only start the game with all backups on the defensive line because Tomlinson went to the IR, Griffin and his issue uh, during it. Um, we didn't have uh, halfway through the se- the game. Barr also left. Christian Darisaw left too. That's offensive, I know. But the injuries were piling up here. I mean, Debo didn't even finish. So it was piling up for both teams yeah. in a weird type of game on the west coast there but also after we had zimmer kind of complaining about the refs in this one you know just to, to keep that running thing going here is uh i don't know what the refs are doing but uh there were a lot of times here some of these run plays where it was like i don't know my linebackers are throwing their arms up in the air like they feel like they're being held but i'm not no one's saying anything no one's doing anything uh so you know, you can't like I'm not gonna blame the refs for the loss on this no way, but if they had a point of thinking one team they're gonna keeping their eye out for, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the team in white and purple that day. Yeah, and I, I don't wanna blame the refs for the Cowboys loss either. Um yeah. and that's the hard thing, is like you can't really blame the refs for the loss, but boy do they make winning harder sometimes. You know, and <laughs> it's a good when you're way, doing yeah. that, when you actively have your hand on the scale like that, it, it makes it less fun to watch. Um, yeah, there's, I, I mean, I watch these 49ers play, and I just keep seeing, and we talk about it a lot, what's a Jimmy Garoppolo game? A Jimmy Garoppolo is 15 to 20 completions around 200 yards, maybe a touchdown, maybe an interception. So exactly where he was <laughs> for this game. Yeah. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, when Kirk Cousins is throwing close to 300 yards, y'all are having a good game. And to your point, yeah, Kirk was not reading the defense well all game, was not as accurate as he normally is, but wasn't getting any support or push from the run game either. Um, right. And that's that's problematic. You know, they, Dalvin Cook, they only ran the ball 10 times up into the third quarter with Dalvin. That's not enough. We're playing Sheldon Richardson at defensive end now the last two weeks. Like, there was a point in the offseason that was like, Jesus, Vikings, don't you think you have enough defensive tackles? You've been signing all these beefy boys in the middle, and here we are now allowing the Niners to run 200-plus yards on us in a game we had to have. Like, uh, you just, when you can't stay healthy and you can't keep people out there, I mean, there's some serious problems with Daniil Hunter taking this, you know, not not being on the field. When these people players are not on the field, it's huge. It just really is. But yeah. 
Next man up, uh, I look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who've played with 11, 12 different cornerbacks, and they seem to be doing all right. So True. there's something to that. Um, anyways, we move on. We push. There you go. These losses are in our rearview mirror. Let's talk about the uh, 49ers who were all of a sudden red hot trying to find a playoff spot. Uh, it was about as soon as I started saying I've given up on them this season. They turned it on. They go to Seattle. They're playing the Seahawks uh, who are – uh, historically bad now in terms of when Russell Wilson joined this team. They're three and eight is their record. They would have the fourth overall pick in the draft currently if they don't already trade that to the Jets. Mm-hmm. So the Jets technically have back to back fourth and fifth overall picks in this draft. But we're and we're talking about 49 ers Seahawks. I. I would say I was a very early tombstone on the Seahawks, but it has turned out to be very, very uh, apropos. Yeah, very Um, accurate. With the way the 49ers are playing and the way the Seahawks are playing, I don't care that it's at Seattle. I'm going to pick the 49ers. Um, They've been good. They're still in the playoff hunt. The Seahawks are basically dead in the water. I would be interested to see. I mean, this is one of those rare moments where you're like, uh, well, yeah, maybe if we kind of sit Russell, we can get a higher draft pick. But it's like, nope, you fucking can't. Uh, <laughs> there's really no incentive for you to not get Russell Wilson hurt. Like, it's it's more of an incentive for you to, you know. The good thing is they traded that pick to an AFC team. That's the only good, that's the only saving grace uh, right. in that trade. But to lose a top five pick for Jamal Adams, eh, ooh, that trade's looking worse and worse. Yeah, it's rough, and they they're down there now. Yeah, like we're saying, the same record as the Jets, three and eight. Uh, this is Russell Wilson has never had a losing record with the Seahawks, and now it's uh, one more loss, and then it'll be what'll be that'll excuse me that'll be what it'll be this season. Uh, and I'm picking the Niners too, even on the road. I think Seattle has a shot because they're at home and this NFC West is always, they, they know each other so well. Every sure. year, every game, it doesn't matter. The worst team in the division versus the best team. I think Seattle has a chance of beating Arizona when they play. But here, I'm still taking the Niners because uh, they are the better team. So I like the Niners as well. Look at that, Dan. We're back on here. We're agreeing with each other. Uh, back on the Back on the same page. Okay, well, let's move on then. Let's spend some time in uh, the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Browns in prime time, sixteen to ten. This one also a uh, kind of Shit a, game. a yeah uh, six to nothing or uh, Ravens late second three six at the half because of uh, interception the third of Jackson's fourth right before the half setting up the Browns for a field goal. Yeah, Browns offense didn't do a whole lot other than collect Lamar Jackson turnovers and try to turn them into field goals. But uh, they did get in late, tried to get uh, tried to get this game tied there at the end, but couldn't, couldn't do it. So after the Njoku touchdown, it was kind of over, and the, and the Ravens ran the ball and took, took care of the clock. Yeah, I... The one thing the Browns should be way better at with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb back is running the ball, and neither one of them averaged more than three yards a carry. Baker Mayfield yeah. looked like dog shit. Uh, that dude is fucking wrecked. You know, there's it's it's almost hard to blame Baker Mayfield for his play right now. Like, 
you know this podcast. It is not a Baker Mayfield apology podcast. But the dude's yeah. fucked up. Like, the dude should not be playing right now. Um, doesn't look like his there's old a lot spunky of, self. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. There's a lot of uh, that talk coming out now. It's like, well, Baker Mayfield, to see the problem. Did the Browns need to move on, et cetera? I don't know. You, we, you're right, Dan. We were never big on Baker Mayfield out of the gate. He wasn't the number one overall pick in our heads at that point. Uh, he wasn't picked by this Browns front office, right? He was there. Yep. Obviously not head coach, but even front office, I think, was ahead of that. So, yeah, this is a little weird situation here um, where all of a sudden there's a lot of questions there. Um, Browns did lose Jack Conklin, too. Uh, tore his patella tendon. He's going to be out full year, full year. He won't even be ready next year, right, beginning of next year. Yeah, yeah. any, any patella tendon is – that is a massive structural knee injury. Like he's going to need a lot of time to recover. So that's the thing that sucks. Is he was a he was a big free agent pickup for them, um, and he's not even going to be available to him next year. Bad injuries this week. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That it was a mess of a game. Jackson threw these prayers to Andrews on one drive that was just two passes basically that says I'm going to sky it to my tight end and he got under it <laughs> um that it made yeah. one was a touchdown that's what gave him the 13 to 3 lead and it felt like they were going to hold on to win it even up to the end when it was close uh even when the Browns made it close it just kind of felt like this was Ravens game Ravens are at home Browns are in trouble all of a sudden um they get a bye week though they can go off of this lick their wounds a little bit um, cause yeah, it, things keep moving on. Um, and we can't talk about where the Ravens are going until we talk about, uh, the Steelers game where they got shellacked against the Bengals. So let's complete the AFC North Bengals 41 Steelers 10. Uh, this one could easily be a two minute, no offense, but it's a big game. It's a big game in terms of the AFC, uh, 31 to three Bengals at the half. This was the Mixon show, uh, yeah. 165 just rushing yards and two touchdowns. Didn't even catch the ball in the backfield. It's yeah. just rush. I mean, you would expect a 41-point Bengals win to have a lot more Joe Burrow in it than this game did. It was, mm-hmm. it was Joe Burrow. I think didn't even throw for 200 yards if memory serves. Um, but I will say, Big Ben, we've been saying it all year. Dude looks that's washed. The, Dude that's looks the other side of the coin. Washed, yep. man. It's bad, and I don't see that. Like, that's not going to get better. There's no plan back there. However, if I'm a free agent quarterback looking for a team that's got a really good defense and a decent offensive line and some decent skill position players on the outside, I'm thinking about Pittsburgh. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, right now, Big Ben is the problem, but it's not just Big Ben. It's literally any quarterback on the Steelers is not ready to play. So it's... It's hard for me to, to look at Pittsburgh as a legit playoff team anymore, um, even with that defense, because um, that defense still needs to get a couple injured pieces back. Yeah, but thinking about future, you're right. Like Pittsburgh doesn't sound like a off-shot chance of maybe a place for Rodgers to spend his twilight years, you know? Sure. If he's looking for a place to just get a shot and get a run, Najee Harris is nice and young. That takes a lot of time off him. Yeah, if that be he would like playing for uh, um, the coaching staff there for sure. Tomlin. Tomlin's a great coach. Yeah, but they uh, get their asses beat in this one. Uh, 
Uh, T. Higgins, 114 yards and a touchdown. Um, I don't think that was even on that many catches. He, no, six catches. Yeah, he had a couple long ones. Uh, Jamar Chase did not have his long ones in this one. So it was, yeah, mostly that. that it was mostly Mixon. Mixon running the ball 28 times. Uh, got in the end zone twice. Burrow ran one in himself, too. He's controlling that game nice and well. He didn't have an interception, but he, he, they didn't ask much of him. He threw for under 200 yards. And they threw and they score forty one points. So, uh, Cincinnati Bengals looking pretty good. Could they win this division? They did beat the Ravens once already, right? Yeah, I mean it, this division is now a two horse race in my mind. I mean, I know the Browns aren't technically eliminated, and the Steelers definitely aren't technically eliminated, but the Steelers lost or tied a game with the fucking Lions. And mm-hmm. every time the Steelers have had an opportunity to like set their foot in the ground this year and beat a division rival, they've shit the bed. You know, the Browns beat yeah. them up real yeah. good. Uh, now the Bengals have beaten them up real good. And now Baltimore is going to Pittsburgh, and I think they're going to beat them up pretty good too. Yeah, nice segue, Dan. Yeah, Baltimore to Pittsburgh. Uh, the AFC North matchups just continue. Uh, Ravens, in fact, are doing the tour here these few weeks. Uh, so um, you're right. I, I don't feel comfortable pick, picking Pittsburgh, not in this one. Ravens should be able to control the game, control the ball on the ground. Uh, Lamar Jackson has uh, these games where he throws interceptions, but you know what? They don't lose in those. Um, he has these multiple interception games, and they're still like 6-0 and in them. So... They take they, it's a smartly coached team, and they're going to take control of it there. Uh, it's still an in division game, so don't run out there and put a bunch of money on it because we said that the Ravens are going to win, but they probably will. So, uh, yeah, I like the Ravens in this one too. I do not disagree. Um, what's funny about this is right after this one, the Ravens play the following week, the Browns again. The Browns are on a bye week after losing to the Ravens, and they come off that bye week to play the Ravens. <laughs> Back-to-back I, I week doubt, for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I doubt very much that Lamar's going to have as bad of a game against this Browns team with a week off as he did uh, having them just you know recovering from his illness. I expected Lamar to be way better. He wasn't. Um, but I think in you know what is now two weeks, he'll have a really nice return against these Browns. And the Browns will be 6-6 <laughs> six and six and will have to win that game coming out of the bye where they're getting a tombstone straight out the gate. I mean, they'll know the team quite well, right, after this? <laughs> yeah. They have a lot of it's, really recent tape on them. Yeah, it's always good when your your game breakdown tape is also your next opponent tape. Oh, man. <laughs> Makes it a little bit yeah. easier in the film room, I guess. It's just too bad it was a loss. This is a long two weeks for Cleveland, man. They're going to have to just sit on that. Um, oh, God. The NFL really screwed up with that schedule for sure. Hey, let's take a break because when we return, we've got four games and that two-minute no offense this week because, oh, man, why did the Jets play the Texans? Keep it right here. This is the push-off.
Hi, welcome back, folks. Uh, we've returned from the break, which means it's time for the always famous two-minute no offense. But no offense, if you are in this section of the program, your team is probably a huge waste of my fucking time. Um, we have two minutes, and uh, we're going to spend them with the least amount of detail possible. Yeah, these games weren't awful, but uh, we know who's wasting our time at this point. Good point. Uh, start that clock. And turbo go. All right, we're going to go way back to Thanksgiving where uh, we start with the Bears beating the Lions 16-14. to 14. Picked this one, Dan. This was one that I got over you. Uh, Dalton uh, started it, had over 300 yards passing, and uh, Santos, three or four kicking. Goff was back with two touchdowns, but yeah, it was Bears and the Lions. Yeah, you know what I love? You know what makes a game really exciting? When someone just takes a knee for the final two minutes of the fucking game before picking, kicking a 10-yard field goal. God, <laughs> what a piece of shit. Oh, this game sucked. <laughs> Bears win. All right, and then in the evening, the Bills beat up on the Saints 31-6. to Josh Allen getting his groove back with four touchdowns. They were up 24 to nothing heading into the fourth. Yeah, I think a a Saints win here would have told us a lot about the Saints. Instead, a Saints loss told us a lot about the Saints. Uh, they're yeah. not very good. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think the Saints are going to be making the playoffs this year. We know Bills have their ups and downs. This was one of their ups, and they looked good. Uh, and then uh, two games that really just didn't matter. Falcons beat the Jaguars 21-14. to yeah, it wasn't that close for most of the game. I mean, they had the Falcons were in charge of this game. They kind of let the Jaguars make it respectable looking at the end score, but it was all Falcons. Falcons let somebody into the game late? That doesn't sound like them. Strange. <laughs> and then the Jets beat the Texans by the same score, 21-14. Yeah, I mean, good for the Jets. Um, you know, <laughs> at this point, any... It's weird because we're talking about scouting a little bit because the the year is over for the Jets and the year is over for the Texans. They have to play out the string. Yeah. But there's no top five quarterback prospect uh, coming out in right. this year's draft. There's no top ten. Like There's a debate if there's even a fucking first rounder in this year's draft. So if you're the Texans, you're looking at that going, ah, fuck. Uh, <laughs> we need a replacement bad, and no matter how bad we are, we're just going to get a really good defensive player, and that's time. All right, perfect. Yeah, both those quarterbacks in that game threw for under 200 yards in that Jets-Texans game. Like, Okay, get through it. Um, all right, well, this leads us to talk about some games here for uh, week uh, 13, the Cardinals to the Bears. Uh, I remember that one from 2005. That's the Denny Green they are, who we thought they were a game. But in this one, if the Cardinals, who are coming off the bye, win this one in Chicago, they clinch a playoff spot and would be the first team to do so. Deservedly so. Um, this is a really good Cardinals team that has uh, suffered through a lingering injury to their quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And the Bears are toast. You know, the Bears have a first-round pick. Oh, wait, no, that's right. They don't. They traded that shit away. <laughs> uh so, I mean, the Bears are really not getting – they're not getting any reinforcements coming in anytime soon either. That's the thing that sucks. It looks like they might have a good one in Justin Fields, but it's it's going to be a three- or four-year rebuild mode. Yeah, the uh, the the Cardinals are going to head into the playoffs here, and they probably will do it this week. I That doesn't mean that it's 
you know, even if they get the number one seed in the NFC, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy for them. This is a very young team that is not playoff tested. So that's one thing that, that worries me about the Cardinals looking forward. But this week, they look okay in Chicago. They should get the win because it looks like Murray is practicing. It looks like uh, it looks like uh, Hopkins is back practicing too. So as long as these guys are going to get healthy and get in, there should be no problems in Chicago. Well, they've uh, had a right. month off. They better be rested. <laughs> yeah, they've had some time, yeah. And this bye week, oh, you know, the bye week cures all. Um, moving on, the Vikings going to Detroit to play the Lions. Uh-oh, the winless Lions. This just feels like one of those, hey, fun time to trip up. But because the Vikings lost, I think they desperately need it. Um, I- I'll take them to win, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take them to win, but if they had beaten San Francisco, yeah, you're right. This would have been mm, a delicioso trap game. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think they can. I don't think they can lose this fucking game to Detroit. If they do, Scott, you'll have to excuse me. That'll be a tombstone for Minnesota. Yeah, you're right. That would be. Um, no Dalvin Cook this week, but uh, Alexander Madison's been nice at filling in when he has to. Um, there's... Yeah, other injuries too that we got to deal with. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's an, it's not going to be handed to us, not for not at all. And then yeah, you Cowboys playing here Thursday night in New Orleans are playing the Saints uh, without their head coach. So that actually I think is good for us. Um, <laughs> I it's weird because I I don't think McCarthy is calling the plays. You know I. I think it's interesting to have a game that's going to be called by Dan Quinn. Um, I think Dan Quinn's going to leave the fucking offense alone, and I think he's going to he's going to have a I deserve to be a head coach in the NFL again uh, type game on defense. So I really look forward to him dismantling the Saints at home. I'd fucking love it, and I need it really, really badly uh, because the Cowboys have lost three games in the last four, uh, and that's just not good enough. So we got to get off the schneid. We got to eliminate the Saints from the playoffs. We got to get to eight wins and take control back in our division. It's been a, yeah, it was a bad November for the Cowboys. It was a slip up here, but uh, if anything, Buffalo taught there that that there's some winnable uh, games here in New Orleans. Is there a rumor too that Taysom Hill is starting this game for the Saints? I've been kind of hearing those rumbles. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, Sean Payton has always played the Cowboys really, really well, uh, too. Um, except, yeah. strangely enough, we've we've picked out a couple, like, you remember when the Saints were undefeated, like, eight or nine years ago, and the Cowboys were the first team to beat them? Uh, we've had that sort of relationship with Sean Payton, where, like, if we're on a tear or we really need a win, he's fucked us up, and if he's been on a tear, we fucked him up. So, hopefully... Uh, <laughs> This week, we can eliminate them from the playoffs, and that's enough of fucking up uh, Sean Payton for the year. Uh, because, yeah, I, I don't think a win really even helps the Saints. It gets them to 6-6, six and six, which is still alive in the NFC, but, yeah, what's whatever's going on in that division, I, I don't think they're competitive long-term. Yeah. Uh, the one thing about Dan Quinn here taking over for head coach, can he remain doing that in the booth? Because I thought there's something weird where Dan Quinn goes to uh, – level of the the playing field things get screwed up in his head he needs to be in that booth <laughs> he does love the booth he has i mean he might coach from the booth who knows um and maybe kellen moore he's just gonna be like nah man kellen go fucking buck wild because we might have our full complement back of wide receivers 
you know, we oh, okay. it looks like Cooper's healthy. Now. We, you know, Lamb's got a clear concussion protocol, but that looks pretty good. You know, a week and a half out, um, we'll have Gallup, Cooper, and yeah, we'll have Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb for the first time since week one. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, look out, Saints. Um, is Kamara back? Even I don't even heard that. Uh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard from Kamara. I, I mean, I assumed since he missed a couple games against the fucking Eagles, he would of course come back and haunt the Cowboys. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I'm with you. I'm taking the Cowboys. I think they get off the Schneid in uh, in New Orleans. Let's talk about a good one that happened in Indy. Uh, the Buccaneers beat the Colts. It's thirty-eight to thirty-one. This one was back and forth. Uh, the Buccaneers shut down Jonathan Taylor. They really did put the uh, put the brakes on the the running back. Um, it was put in the hands of um, of um, excuse me, Wentz and Carson Wentz, Wentz yeah. almost yeah, Wentz almost pulled it out. But uh, in the end, Buccaneers honestly Wentz threw some bad interceptions late, yeah. and Buccaneers win it. So there we are, thirty eight thirty one. I think it was interesting that, like, we always talk about Belichick's plan is take away the best player on the field. And I feel like Brady was whispering to everybody, he's like, hey, what if we just do that thing that Belichick does and, like, make it so that Jonathan Taylor doesn't fuck up our life? Mm, and then yeah. we went, oh, wow, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Um, you know, Indy, Indy had a real shot, had a real shot in this game, and Tampa Bay put this thing on the back of Leonard Fournette, who had a game of games. Uh, that dude went buck wild. Um, yeah, Fournette, and it, four you look at the yardage. Touchdowns. Yeah, you look at the yardage and not there, but he carried it seventeen times. He led the team. He tied for the lead with receptions with seven. Um, yeah. The dude was everywhere, especially in the second half. He was a fucking monster. Yeah, he was great. Uh, Col- you're right though. Colts were up seventeen to seven in the early second. They were up fourteen to twenty four in the at half. There was a very questionable pass interference there with Scotty Miller down the sidelines that led to a touchdown that made this game close. But the Buccaneers were fighting the whole way. So even with that, I felt like they they could have gotten into this one. Um, It was just the the bad interceptions by Carson Wentz late. He tossed one up that was just skied there to Pittman that uh, Winfield grabbed out of the air, and it was like, oh, that's not a good sign uh, kind of feeling. Um the Colts almost uh, return a kickoff there at that very end, get it all the way to the opponent's 32 to get shots into the end zone there. So it wasn't didn't have to be Hail Marys into the end zone, but they basically were, and uh, Buccaneers came out on top. Yeah, um, Buccaneers the ending, the, ending the yeah, game with an interception. Ending the game with yeah. an interception, but it wasn't. he didn't even get it into the end zone. That's the weirdest part. Is like no. it was intercepted at the fucking two. Like y- you were on the thirty, buddy. Like you should be able to make that fucking throw. Yeah, he needs to hit somebody in a, in a pattern, kind of from there. Um, the oh, did you see the the video of uh, Vita Vea losing his tooth? I I didn't get a chance to see it. Oh man, the the helmet's getting shoved up on his head, and so a another helmet. As since his face mask is pushed up, comes up and smacks his his mouth, and a tooth just comes flying out. Like you see it on the video, it flying out. And then the next is him running to the sidelines, a big smile on his face, pointing that he's missing a tooth, like full front tooth there missing. Oof! It's it's not it's not exciting to watch, but he seems excited that it happened to him. 
Vitave is so fucking um, cool. I like him. Yeah. Yeah, he had a good game here too. Uh, so the Buccaneers go to Atlanta. It's an NFC South matchup. Um, the Falcons uh, apparently released their depth chart with Cordell Patterson at running back, <laughs> kick returner, and safety. Did you see that? Yeah, third string safety. I wouldn't be shocked if he can play a little bit back there. Damn. Uh, but w- w- would that be enough to take care of these Buccaneers? I, I, I'm not going to say so. I'm going to take Tampa on the road. Uh, in Atlanta, but uh, you know, Atlanta maybe gets uh, gets spotted ten or uh, fourteen points, <laughs> then loses. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's Atlanta is still in it. Strangely enough, like we we did not think about them as a legitimate playoff potential team, but they're five and six. They're right in it with the rest of the the dregs of the NFC. So you know, a couple wins here, a streak. Uh, Falcons could be right back in it. That that'd be good for Matt Ryan, but. I don't know how it'd be good, how good it would be for the Falcons' rebuild. I'm surprised you're not tombstoning them just yet, but uh, you're right. The NFC's kind of open. <laughs> um, how about uh, Colts-Texans? That's also a game happening here week uh, 13. What do you like, Dan? Colts have got to have it. Uh, <laughs> they've just got to. The Texans don't want it. The Colts desperately need it. So I'm picking a, a Colts win, and they stay alive in the AFC wildcard race. Yeah, Colts get back to to running that ball. Texans aren't, yeah, they're they're not bad at running at uh, stopping the run, but they're not great at it either. So, Colts will be able to do that with Jonathan Taylor again. Uh, get back to the way that they play the games. Uh, let's talk about uh, what was a good game. This was a very defensive game, but I think a good one. Uh, Giants beat the Eagles, thirteen to seven. Dan, you picked it. I thought you were just uh, giving the Eagles their. Uh, they're junk as always you do, but uh, somehow you saw this coming. What what happened? Well, uh, they had fired Jason Garrett, and uh, uh. when when your defense is looking at film for a play caller that's not there, you have an opportunity to surprise a team offensively. Um, that being said, that was my logic going into it. I don't think that happened. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that the defense surprised the Eagles. That the Giants' defense confused the shit out of Jalen Hurts, rushed him all game, um, you know, harassed him in the pocket, made him make bad decisions, and and really said if we can if we can get to Jalen Hurts, the Eagles can do nothing. And uh, you know they did that all game, and I thought they did it very well. They were going to stop the run and force Jalen Hurts to beat them, and he couldn't couldn't get it done. Three interceptions in this game. Three interceptions, and they were in awful positions. Uh, end of the first five-yard line, end of the first half uh, heading in, like the last play at half there where they could have kicked a field goal to another interception. Uh, it was 3 nothing at halftime, then 10 nothing in the middle third. Uh, the Eagles brought it in. The first play of the fourth quarter was their touchdown. And then um, at the end of that game, Jalen Rager had two attempts to bring in a touchdown hit his hands that he could not bring in and well that's a real bad place to hit jalen rieger (laughs) oh god you know that's not where you want to put that ball you gotta get that you know sky that thing that's right rough one there but uh the eagles might be able to bounce back uh it is eagles at jets here for week 13 now dan before you pick this one because i know what you're gonna do i just here uh after this last week where uh things went crazy and we all both picked opposite so much 
Look at how things are balancing out and how close this still is. I'm begging you. This is also the 12th all-time meeting of the Eagles and Jets, or what I call the Green Helmet meeting. Uh, and in this record, the Eagles are 11-0. They've never lost to the Jets. All that being said. Until yeah. now. <laughs> Until now, sir. One of these teams is coming off a loss. The other is coming off a win. So let it be written. So let it be done. New York Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. It's easier to spell than E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Folks, I tried. And you besides, heard. I tried to talk them out of this. Um, if, if it happens, I'm surprised, but I'm taking the Eagles. Fair enough, but uh, I'll take my Jets win any day. Yeah. All right, well then let's go to Miami, where the Dolphins kick butt over the uh, Panthers, 33-10. This one uh, was 21-10 Dolphins at the half. It was the Jalen Waddell uh, coming out party as he had, excuse me, as he had 137 yards and a touchdown uh, and a fun little uh, penguin dance when he scores. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's good to be thematic. We always give points for thematic. Um, right. I. I feel I feel really good about tombstoning these Panthers. Um, yeah, I know they're five and seven. I know that technically means they're alive in the NFC, but they're not. Uh, you know, we're we had a fun Cam Newton game the week before, and then Cam Newton went five for twenty-one in this game with oh. two interceptions. Cam Newton looked <laughs> fucking brutally bad. Yeah, and I, I don't, don't know. I don't know, understand you, what he was doing out there. You take a step back, and it's like, well, what did we expect? Because you're right, Cam, Cam couldn't can even catch the ball at three and go run, you know, uh, beat somebody to the pylon or jump over people. He's still a big body. He runs like a fullback, but he's not going to throw the ball on you anymore. You force Cam to throw it, and yeah, five for 21, 92 yards and two picks. Um, they benched him for Philip Walker. Philip Walker is, you know, what he is too. So the Panthers are going to be looking QB after this season. That's for sure. Uh, McCaffrey is out again. He's done for the season. Um, here's another, you know, this, this is not a great, good stat. Uh, McCaffrey now being shut down for this year, uh, with another, with his ankle injury would mean that he will miss 23 of 33 games since the Panthers made him the highest paid running back in the league. Yeah, uh, there is potential that we might be looking at a Christian McCaffrey cut here. Mm. I know that seems horrific, but if they can't get somebody to absorb some of that contract, the Panthers are now in a rebuild. And you know what you don't keep with you when you're rebuilding? Mm. A running back. They did, though, come out just like recently. And you're right. This is just talk. But they're like, oh, we're not, he's not on the trading block or anything. It's like, well, no, the trade, and the trading is over now, anyways, right? It wouldn't No, it's, it's over for this year. It's over yeah. for this year. But he's a 25 year old running back coming off of injury with a massive, massive contract. Yeah. If, if you are the Carolina Panthers, you go, all right, is Christian McCaffrey, you know, the rock upon which I build my church, or is he now capital that I can move out? I mean, if they if they traded him next year, he's got a dead cap of $26 million with a cap hit of fourteen. But, you know, you could, you could trade him after June 1st, spread that cap hit out a little bit, and maybe get a first-round pick for Christian McCaffrey. Um, 
sure, no first-round pick is going to replace Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy, but he hasn't yeah. been healthy for the last two years. That's the thing. He is he is transcendently an offense. You get an offense and a player. He's a Cordell Patterson, Dan. What would you trade for a Cord? <laughs> for, what what's the draft pick for that? Oh, yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey is a poor man's Cordero Patterson because Christian McCaffrey <laughs> doesn't return kicks. <laughs> but like, and he doesn't he play first... safety. He doesn't play safety. <laughs> he doesn't have the height. Uh, w- would you give a first-rounder for Christian McCaffrey, given that he has that contract? Well, that's the thing. You have to be a team that can absorb that contract. You have to be a team that can pay a running back, on average, $17 million a year for the next three years. Um, I don't. I don't know if there's a lot of teams that would. The one team that scares me, that actually could absorb a contract like this, is the Patriots. Oh, really? Yeah, Oof. the Patriots could absorb his contract next year because they had last year and this year to kind of absorb a lot of bad deals and you know the Tom Brady shit. But they'll be in pretty good cap shape next year and might be able to to take on a contract like this because Belichick loves guys that are all around players. You know, he loves those scat back types that can also run the ball. So Christian McCaffrey would be like, you know, a really good Danny Woodhead. I I think Belichick would be slobbering over something like this. Interesting. Well, the Panthers are going into a bye week this week. Uh, The other side of this game is the Miami Dolphins, who all of a sudden now, what have they won three in a row or something? They're red hot. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins look good. Dolphins, um, now they're not, uh, they've won some surprising ones. I guess they're not beating the world beaters or anything, but nobody really is this year. Uh, they beat the Ravens, but that was a Thursday nighter. So yeah, we'll see how the Dolphins keep this thing going. Um, they, uh, they look good in this one. They outscore in the second half, 12 to nothing. Uh, the Panthers in this one just controlled the ball. They get the the Giants. Excuse me. They get the Giants in Miami this week, and I'm pretty sure the Giants are starting Mike Glennon because Daniel Jones is out. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give Miami. Um, I'm going to give Miami the win here. I don't think New York is very good, and I think Mike Glennon doesn't make anybody better. Um, this is really good for Tua. Um, it's great for Brian, Brian Flores to potentially keep his job, but if they don't make the playoffs. I don't know if he holds on to it. If they do, and it's on the back of this Miami defense like it has been, I think Flores is safe for another year. It's weird, yeah. I thought the Dolphins, this exactly happened when I was like, oh, man, such a disappointment, the Miami Dolphins. They're like, not so fast, Scott. So here we go again. But, uh, yeah, they're they're you know they're in the talk. They can turn this thing around. They still need a lot of help, and they still need to keep this thing going and and win in games, but I think they're in a very winnable game here at home against a Giants team that can never all be healthy at once. Uh, they might have some other players back, like Kadarius Toney and stuff like that, but, you know, no quarterback. Saquon Barkley's, you know, healthy for now, but how long does that last? There's another running back with some injury concerns. Um, so I like the Dolphins, who are red hot right now, to win at home. Uh, let's talk about the Packers win. They beat the Rams 36-28. to This is one that I got on you, Dan, in the picks. Both quarterbacks over 300 yards passing, uh, multiple passing touchdowns. Rodgers two and ran one in. Stafford three and threw an interception. Um, Packers took the lead, uh, and they had it 17-10 to at half. 
and then extended it to 36 to 17 into the fourth. Uh, Rams did their best to come back, but like you said, the Rams what winless in November. Yeah, the Rams at seven and four feel like they've really lost a chance to win this division. Um, you know, the Cardinals kind of coming through the way they have. Um, yeah, if I'm if I'm Los Angeles, I'm very worried about Matt Stafford's arm, which reports mm. are is that structurally his arm is having some issues, and oh, shoot. that's the whole reason why you got the fucking guy is to try to get to the point where you can be competitive again with a solid starting quarterback. And if Stafford's arm isn't healthy, these guys are going nowhere in the playoffs, even if they make it. They still have an inside track on making uh, the playoffs in an NFC wildcard. But, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, man. It's going to be tough out there. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they're fighting from behind this whole time, but it, playing in Lambeau's not easy for anybody. And uh, Rodgers and the Packers coming off the loss like they were last week, they were they were really focused in this one. A um, little bit healthier too. They, but not that much healthier. Packers are kind of doing this with their with backups where they need to kind of thing, and and it's looking impressive. Um, Rodgers playing with an injured toe still. Uh, Joe Buck took a shot at him on. Did you hear that, Dan? <laughs> uh, his toe has been immunized. Yeah. Okay. What you're telling me is toe's been immunized because he took a pain shot into his toe. Um, so that was kind of humorous. But uh, yeah, Packers look very good, and they get to roll into a bye week here already with eight wins. It's uh, getting a little sickening to watch. <laughs> uh, with nine wins, friend. Oh God, don't. Try to take that last one away from him. Yep, you're right. With nine wins, sorry, they're nine and three. Sorry, buddy. Uh, half a game behind the Cardinals because of that bye week. So yeah, they could tie it up here if the Cardinals slip in Chicago. Um, but they've yeah, got a head to head. So even if they end with the same record, they'll they'll take the, the head to head because they beat the Cardinals they, straight up. That's right. Oh shoot. Well, uh, so they're in a very good spot here, the Packers, and it feels good. You know, the Packers are always in the conversation up until the last few games. Uh, and it only takes like a good performance in those to finally get over that hump. So we could be seeing it this year, uh, um, whether some of us want to see it or not. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be totally negative on the Packers. They're, they're doing what they're doing. Uh, the Rams, the Rams are going to try to get right here. They go home and they got the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely a get right game. Um, <laughs> this is another game that had. They beaten the Packers. This is a great trap game potential, but uh, <laughs> I think the Jaguars are going to walk into a fucking hornet's nest of mm. dudes desperate to win this fucking game. Uh, poor Jacksonville, man. Urban Meyer keeps running into buzz saws when he can't afford to. Um, right. I, I got to pick the Rams. They're at home. Jacksonville coming across the country. I I just can't see it being a Jags win. What did we think of this new Rams defense? The they they add in the pass rushers. They. They go out and you get all of these new uh, players on this team. Odell has a long touch. Did he have a touchdown? He had the long catch. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't see much of uh, Von Miller. I don't know. It, it feels like another team that went out and bought a championship that is a, it's not going to connect immediately, but... Well, it's, it's not easy to learn a defense. You know, people forget True. that. That it's, you know, you have to... People talk about it. You have to do the job before you can flourish. You know, you have to know what your assignments are before you can freelance. 
And Von mm-hmm. Miller doesn't know this defense yet. He doesn't really have a good handle on it. It's going to take a couple weeks for that to happen. Um, you know, Von Miller isn't the Von Miller of the Carolina Super Bowl. This is the Von Miller of many lower body injuries over the past three years. So um, I think they'll get it together. I don't think the Rams are going to have a bad defense, but yeah, they have not yet coalesced. It's going to take a couple weeks still. Maybe, worse for the league, uh, they'll figure it out right at come playoff time and then we're all fucked. That's true. That's true. This one should uh, help out. I think they beat the Jaguars too. Um, hey, let's let's go west. Let's talk about the Broncos with their win over the Chargers. Dan picked this over me. Uh, 28-13. Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked out in this game. Drew Locke comes in, immediately starts turning the ball over. Teddy limps back on. Like, well, I got to finish this thing, I guess. Um, the Chargers, Jesus, in free fall. Uh, Herbert looked okay, but still turned the ball over himself. This game was uh, 14-0 Broncos early. Chargers just playing catch-up 28-7 with under eight minutes left in this one. So, yeah, the Chargers never n- never felt like they were on solid ground in this one. I think it's interesting when <laughs> when Bridgewater goes out, Drew Locke comes in, Bridgewater goes, no, nah, motherfucker, watch this. This is how you do it, and proceeds to throw for under 150 yards. Um, no, that's you know, true, this yeah. was a this was Javante Williams' game. Like Javante Williams was really, really good in this. He, you know, he looked solid. If you're, I mean, he led the team in re, he led the team in receptions, receiving yards, and was second place in in uh, rushing yards to Melvin Gordon. Right. But he's he's turned into a nice all-purpose back. Um, and the Broncos' defense doesn't seem like it's taken any steps back. You know, Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller is playing really, really well. Justin Simmons is really, really good. This is a good secondary. Patrick Sertan had that uh, Patrick that pick for a touchdown. Yeah. That was fucking great. You know, two interceptions this is a good young and a pick secondary. six. Yeah, Patrick Sertan yeah. had himself a game. That was that was fun. Um, yeah, they. You're right. Uh, Teddy was out there to not turn the ball over. It felt like it was like. Well, he's not going to run away from anybody. He's very hurt right now. So we're going to bring Teddy out there and just control this thing, which was surprising too because, look, Chargers got that touchdown with four and a half left. They could have gotten back into this, but they never got the ball back. So it was a controlling game for Denver from the word go, and that was what was impressive, I think. I didn't see it coming. You did, Dan. You you, you knew this was, Denver had this in them, or you thought Chargers really are in this much trouble. Uh, it's a little column A, a little column B. I, I think um, when you're a team that presses, like the Chargers do, the Chargers are pressing right now, the Denver defense will just take it from you. Um, mm-hmm. They cover really, really well. Um, the Chargers did not develop a run game on them. The run game, They abandoned the run game very, very early on, and you can't do that against the Broncos because the Broncos want you to throw into a good, talented young secondary which is exactly what they forced Justin Herbert to do. And, you know, Justin Herbert didn't have a great game, um, has not looked sharp. The defenses have kind of caught up to him. But this thing ebbs and flows. He's not a bad quarterback. He'll have another shot at this thing. I think the last quarter of the year, Justin Herbert will show you, you know, the corrections that he has made to get back into the swing of things. I still think the Chargers are going to make a playoffs. Um, okay. I think they'll make it over the Denver Broncos, but this is this is a young team going through it right now. 
Yeah, and that's surprising there. Um, so they get the Bengals, though, this week. It's Chargers having to go to Cincinnati. Bengals look very well, too, uh, right now. So, um, yeah, where do you pick this one, Dan? Because I'm thinking Cincinnati at home. So I, I want to pick Cincinnati at home. I think this is going to be the start of the Chargers getting it right. Um, okay. I really do. I, I think the Bengals have an excellent front four. I think they have an excellent pass rush which will force the Chargers to actually run the fucking ball to keep them honest. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're going to put it all in Herbert's hands. I think they're going to try to get the ball to Austin Eckler uh, much more frequently than they did in this game. Um, I'm going to pick a bit of an upset. I'm going to pick the Chargers traveling and beating Cincinnati at Cincinnati. I feel like that is an upset. Yeah, here we go, Dan. That's our first one different this week. Things change here from week to week with the Push Up Podcast, guys. You just got to no, keep up. That's not true. You you picked the fucking Eagles, buddy. That's right. I put it out of my <laughs> mind that you're taking the Jets in that game. And always those where where I make that a big deal is when it flips. So watch the Jets win that. Just watch it happen. All right. We, we got to talk about the primetime games for next week, too. There's some good ones. Uh, Sunday night is an AFC West matchup. Broncos at Chiefs. Um, I'm, I guess I'm going Chiefs here. They're coming off the bye. They've had plenty of time here to get ready for the divisional matchup, and this should be one of the divisional matchups that they have pretty con- pretty well in control. I think they match up very well with Denver. Um, Dan, what do you think? Well... I disagree that they match up well with Denver. I think Denver is actually built very well to beat them. Um, but okay. with the way they have been playing with a week off, Andy Reid off a bye week is borderline unstoppable. So I almost never pick against Andy Reid coming off a bye week. i got to give it to the Chiefs as well. But for very different reasons. I actually think the Broncos, two weeks from now... They'll be able to now, run it. They'll be able to um, control yeah, it. Yeah, they'll... They'll be able to. They'll be able to give this Chiefs team trouble. I just think the Chiefs will be very prepared. I think they will pull this out, but I, I predict a close game. Yeah, divisional ones, man. You never. They're never easy. Um, okay, there's only one more to talk about that happened last week. It didn't end up a tight one, but there's a lot on the line for it. It was the Titans Patriots, where the Patriots beat them thirty-six to thirteen. Uh, when this game was uh, thirteen to sixteen at the half, so you're talking a second half of twenty to nothing, all Patriots just controlling it there from the end. Um, Titans we know are banged up; they're playing, but third, fourth running backs now. Um, AJ, uh, um, I'm blanking on the wide receiver's name. AJ Brown for the tight. Thank you, Brown. AJ Brown didn't play in this one. They were missing a lot, but the uh, it's uh, two bad losses now for the Titans after all of those strong wins. Obviously, they're in a fine spot for their division, but this one hurts for the AFC playoff picture. Patriots now, uh, now red hot. I don't know. What did you see, Dan? Well, I saw a Titans team that decided we are going to do nothing but run the ball. Ryan Tannehill had less than 100 yards passing, did not have a great yeah. game. And the Patriots took Ryan Tannehill's options away. They said, hey, we'll let you run the fucking ball all day. You know, it's it's just one of those things where they said, we're not going to let Ryan Tannehill beat us, which is very odd. You don't think about that for a, the Titans team. But right now, he's the best player they've got. So they just focused on taking Ryan Tannehill out of this game. They successfully did it. But if you're the Titans, you're looking around going, 
man, we're still eight and four. We're still winning this division and we've got nobody, you know, we're waiting for healthy bodies to show back up. So this is actually as bad as it is for their standings at the end of the year. I think it's good that the Titans got to see that they have something in Dontrell Hilliard. They have something in Dunta Foreman. You know, they've got, they've got good options here to back up, uh, Derrick Henry when he gets healthy so they don't have to throw him directly into the game give him 30 touches a game coming back from an injury um that being said Mac Jones does not look like a rookie something's weird there man uh Mac <laughs> Jones looks fucking fantastic yeah yeah I don't Patriots men are red hot uh it's scary you don't you don't want them to just turn it back on and go right back there again. But uh, at the same time, man, what does that tell you? If if Belichick can do that again, if he can bring these Patriots into being one of the classes of the AFC this fast, that's that's crazy. And it just makes you you mad that why why can't I find a coach? What is he doing that's completely uh, different than what my guys have been doing all these years? Um. Titans desperately, desperately have to get healthy. They, you know, like you said, they, without um, Julio Jones too, if you look at the people that uh, Tannehill threw it to, there wasn't anybody that caught more than two passes. He's, it was all these random people, just anybody he could find. So he doesn't have anybody that he trusts is what that tells me. He doesn't have anybody he can count on. Um, So yeah, until these guys get healthy and come back, Titans won't. Titans will have a lot of trouble, and then there's these teams that play fine with uh with the second round guys and uh you know second manned up guys. So that's that's what you got to look for this time of year. Obviously, this is a long season, um, and once yeah everybody's healthy at the end of the year, if that's possible, if you can line it up that way, then you're doing something smart. Maybe that's what we're seeing in the Titans. I don't know. I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> No, I th- I think they they are in a good position. I mean, they're they're getting a bye week at the perfect time. Uh, they desperately need this. They've got to stem the bleeding a little bit. Um, yeah, they've got to start getting some of these playmakers back in there because it can't just be Ryan Tannehill and backups. Um, that is not what this team was built for. But yeah, it's a great time for a bye week. The Titans need it badly. I think when they come back, um, you know, unless they have to play like a really shitty team. I think they'll win the next one coming out of the gates. Okay. Uh, So this leaves us with just one game to pick left for this week. It is the last game of the week, and it is uh, what I believe the coin flip of the the week too. Patriots at Bills, Monday Night Football. Patriots on the road going to Buffalo. Uh, The Patriots already jumped them in the standings by one game. Buffalo needs this one bad here. Get, Get it back. Uh, the Bills thought it was their turn. You know, they had a good year last year. They won the division. It's time here for Buffalo, and then now the the bullies are back. Um, <laughs> I've I'm feeling Patriots on the road and under the lights in this one, Dan. And I am feeling the opposite, sir. I am feeling Bills defending their home territory. Um, you know, taking a game from these Patriots because they desperately fucking need it. Um. The Bills have not looked sharp over the past couple weeks. The Bills are still mm. going to make the playoffs. The Patriots are still going to make the playoffs. But I think at home, the Bills really, really need this. They really, really want this. And I don't think they're going to confound Mac Jones, but I think they will outscore these Patriots. Okay. Well, there you go. Three games picked differently this week. 
Uh, and it's probably best that we did end on an odd number because <laughs> let's segue into picks here from this week. The eight games we picked differently. We watched it closely throughout the weekend, and it just so happened that it split right down the dang middle. So, Dan, after this last week, uh, you and I both have 108 games correct for the season. <laughs> Dead even still, but after this week, Barring a tie of one of those three, Eagles, Jets now, uh, I am I see one of us coming out ahead, and we'll be ahead after week 13. Look at that. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Let the bragging rights get back. Um, all right, but guys, that's our show. Uh, thank you so much for waiting the extra day for all the fun. We're, we're so glad you did. Um, we enjoy doing the show here each and every week, so pick it up where you got this one at your on your podcast apps on your uh, uh the pushoff.com that's the best place to find it that's where you can find all of them so tell everybody the pushoff.com and send it to them in a little tweet um all right uh dan um i've got some crazy stats here to wrap up the oh, show please. um we uh Love taking our dumps on Jared Goff in on this show. <laughs> so I'm going to flip it on him, and I feel like the, the best way to do that is take some dumps on Matthew Stafford. So Matthew Stafford is now 9-70 and 70 against teams with winning records. Wow. Yeah. And That's again, awful. It's, it's quarterbacks, and it's that stat, et cetera, you know, and it's a team sport or whatever, but – you know, as a Vikings fan, if we talk about the Kirk Cousins stats of not winning these big games and primetime games, stuff like that, then we got to give it to Matthew Stafford for being 9-70. and 70. Sure. Um, yeah, also, that's fair. Only fair. Uh, also, what is a, a true statement is <clears throat> the Detroit Lions have had a better record in November than the L.A. Rams. Jesus Christ. That's, <laughs> take, that's take really awful, shots. but I love it. Jared Goff, I got to give him a little smile. He's had a he's had a rough season. Uh, all right, moving along. Uh, currently, the Seahawks are averaging twenty five minutes of possession, uh, 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 in a game, averaging under twenty five minutes of possession. There's only one team that did that for a full season ever in the league, and that was the nineteen ninety nine expansion Browns. Jesus. Yeah, just a team that is not moving the ball. Yeah, they. I mean, they were awful. That expansion's Brown team was truly horrific. And you think of that when you watch that Monday night game with the Seahawks just punning, punning, punning. All right, and then uh, the home team is now 11-1 on Monday night football this year to do that segue. The only loss was the Geno Smith Seahawks losing to the Saints. I picked it early. Hey, which you picked that? All right, nice work. And then, Dan, finally one question. What team is first in penalties for and against currently? I'm going to say the Cowboys. It is the Dallas Cowboys. Your first uh, four penalties, first against penalties. You are fifth in yards for, first in yards against. Oof. Oof. Those are my crazy stats. That's the show. Uh, I hate to leave it on that note, Dan, so please give us some parting words of wisdom. My parting words of wisdom are this. We are getting to the meat of the season where we're going to have a, a few 
divisions be declared here uh, sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. Might I suggest, as we enter the meat of the division, you find yourself a nice meat-based crockpot recipe uh, in order to sate your hunger on these winter games coming up. Might I suggest a stew or perhaps a barbacoa beef uh, mm-hmm. to add that spice to your life when your team uh, takes all of the spice and joy from you. So be sure to get yourself a nice game day snack going here. Uh, this actually has nothing to do with football. More game day culinary <laughs> advice. Get yourself a nice meat dish. It all has to do with football. It's You're true. making me hungry. All right, you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode. I am Scott. And this is Dan. You enjoy football this week. We'll see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>